Now I want to give you five tips for traveling if you're dealing with solving your own type 2 diabetes. Now these are things that I do. You might have other ideas, other tips. If so, please let me know. But these are things that I've found that I think are really the most helpful things for me. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast on social media, please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. I hope you're having an absolutely fabulous week. I'd like to ask you a favor before we get started today. Would you please share this podcast with someone who you think might get some value from it? Maybe they have a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. Maybe they care for someone who has type 2 diabetes. Either way, if you could share this podcast with someone, I certainly would appreciate it. So, this has been a great week for me. I have been at Disney's Hilton Head Island Resort for this past week with several family members. And the weather's been great. This is really one of my absolutely favorite areas to come visit. We've been here, I guess we've been coming here since about 2005, probably averaged probably once a year, sometimes more often. A couple years during the pandemic, we missed out. But I'm saying we probably have been here close to 20 times, and I don't see us stopping anytime soon. Now, we are members of the Disney Vacation Club, and this is a DVC, a Disney Vacation Club Resort. But anybody can make a reservation here. It's not just limited to DVC members. And to me, this resort really epitomizes that low country vibe. If you've ever traveled through North South Carolina, northern parts of Georgia, you know what the low country is. It's that marshy wetland area that, you know, is between the ocean and the land. And it's just a great great vibe. I really like the tall grasses, the tidal waters as they come in and go out. It's just relaxing. You have palm trees, you have live oak trees, you have the moss hanging from the trees. It's so nice to be outside. And this time of year, in April, it gets up into the high 70s, maybe up to 80, but it's just beautiful. So we've been enjoying that. Here at the resort, they have a pool here by all the villas. And they also have all kinds of outdoor activities. They've got bocce. They've got human-sized checkers. They have cornhole. They have all kinds of things. Horseshoes. They rent bicycles. And just lots and lots of activities here. Uh, They also have a beach house, which is about almost a mile and a half away on the ocean side of Hilton Head, and uh, that makes for a great walk. 
mile and a half each way. So the round trip over to the beach house, you get in three miles. If you're walking, if you're riding bike, it zips by real fast, 15 minutes and you're there. Or you can drive. They do have a parking lot if you want to drive. Maybe you're taking over a bunch of beach chairs or umbrellas, things you just don't want to walk with for that whole time. The beach house is great. They have food over there. They have an indoor area that's air-conditioned if it gets too hot. And it's, according to the name, beach house, it is right on the beach. And you walk right out into the sand, and it's a nice wide beach here at Hilton Head. So that's really nice. And as far as bike paths go, walking paths for me, they have them all over the place. They literally run north and south, east and west, across the entire island of Hilton Head. So you can ride bike for hours and not have to use the same trail twice. And for me, it just gives you all kinds of walking opportunities. And I've gotten in some really great walks. I guess unintentionally, I've had some long walks this week. In addition to walking over to the beach house a few times, I've also just walked to various places on the island. And I got in some walks of five miles, which I haven't done in quite some time. So, really great time at Hilton Head at Disney's Resort. And in a couple of days, we head south again, and now we're going to Port Canaveral. Next, we'll be on Royal Caribbean's, which ship is that? I think it's the Independence of the Seas. Yeah, Independence of the Seas. It's I'd call it a mid-range ship, and we're looking forward to four nights there before heading down to Disney's Vero Beach Resort. As I mentioned last week, we've got a total of three weeks of travel before we go back home. Now, the other thing that happened this week, and it's just been happening for the last 24 hours or so, I think I might be having a CGM failure with this Libre 3. Now, one of the listeners had written in asking a question about it several weeks ago. It was back when I was first starting to use the Libre 3. might have been a couple of months ago at this point. But the person asked, have I had any abnormally low readings that I didn't think were real. And at that point, I had just started with this particular model, the Libre 3, and I hadn't had any issues. But now for the last day or so, I've been getting these alarms, these low blood sugar alarms. And I did know that if you're laying on it, let's say you're sleeping on your side and you're laying on the sensor, that can cause a low alarm. But when I'm in sleep mode on my iPhone, I do not get those alarms. They do not ring through. But now, this past day or so, during the day, I've been getting these low blood sugar alarms. In fact, today, this afternoon, while I was out walking, got in a nice walk before recording this, and, you know, enjoying the day out and about, and all of a sudden, the CGM alarm starts going off. And I look down, and it said my blood sugar was 54. And then a few minutes later, it says... It's low, and what low means is it's too low to read on its scale, and I think that happens when it goes below 50. I got to tell you, there's no way in the world my blood sugar was below 50. I was out walking, having a great time, enjoying myself, listening to a podcast, which I'm used to doing during my walks, and I was feeling no issues whatsoever, and still I'm not, and it's gone off three times since i gotten back from the walk, but... I don't know. It's Nothing's perfect, and I do go to the doctor here soon, so we'll check it with an actual A1C. I just checked, and the CGM for the past, I've been wearing this model now for about 48 days, and I've averaged, I think, 5.8 on the GMI. 
over 48 days. So we'll see what that compares here to the A1C at the doctor's office. Anyway, CGM failed. Hopefully it's temporary. I guess this is about my eighth one that I've worn of this particular model. And this is the first time that's happened. So I'll keep you posted. So looking at my numbers this week, all right, let's get to my numbers. My rings, I was able to close my rings five out of the last seven days. One day I was driving all day down here, and in fact two days I was driving. We took two days to drive, and I could have gotten some walking in or whatever on those two days of driving, but I just didn't feel like it, so I didn't. So no big deal. Close my rings five out of seven days, which is perfectly acceptable. My seven-day average glucose reading now, take this with a grain of salt. Again, I just described my CGM failure that I've had this week. Anyway, my seven-day glucose, according to the CGM, averaged 95, and that equates to a GMI of 5.6. And again, we'll see, we'll see how this CGM goes. Uh, right now, I'm currently a little disappointed. My body fat percentage. I have been away from the house for a week now, and so I have not stepped on a scale. When I got on it about eight days ago, my body fat was reading right at 21.0, and I'm headed towards 17% body fat. That's in the healthy range. And in fact, it's at top of the, what they call the fitness range, so that'll be good. Right now, according to my little app that comes with my smart scale, my body fat percentage is in the acceptable range. Now, other places, other charts label it as overweight, so I still am a little overweight by about four body fat percentage points, which that's about seven pounds. I'm thinking really at most lose another seven pounds of fat eventually and all the doctors, all the charts, everybody should be happy. For my macros, I've had averaged 77 grams of carbohydrates each day over the past week and I've averaged 131 grams of protein per day each week. And the protein is in a great level. The carbohydrates are in a great level. If my CGM is anywhere close to accurate, it's suiting me well. Let's take a look at the Manjaro update for the week. This is a bit of status quo here, I think. I am still at the 7.5 milligram dose. I've been using Manjaro now for just over four months. The first month was at 2.5 milligrams. The second month was at 5 milligrams. And now for over two months, I've been at the 7.5 milligram level. And I'm having no issues. I'm really having no negative side effects whatsoever. I got to say that the combination between this Manjaro and my Farziga seems to be perfect. The Manjaro, in addition to all the things it does with helping with insulin, is also certainly controlling my appetite. I'd be hard-pressed to overeat, I gotta tell you. And the Farsiga, what excess sugar there is, I can pass that out through the kidneys with the Farsiga. So I think it's working very well. Now I do go in for blood work in three weeks. This will be my first blood work. It's been about five months so far, so this will be almost six months since my last blood work. So I'm very interested in seeing how this Manjaro is affecting my blood work. So we'll see that in just a few weeks. My challenge in win for this week has got to do with traveling. Now we drove down here 
and we took two days to do it. It ended up being just a hair over seven hours of driving each of the two days. So very nice and easy, nothing major, nothing draining. But we did stop several times for gas stops, rest stops. Overnight, we stopped. And that presents a lot of opportunity for vending machines, things like that. So, you know, that can be challenging. Also, here while we've been vacationing, I don't call it vacationing, I call it traveling. But for the other folks that were here, this was time off of work. This was a way, this was their actual vacation. This big high-carb snacks tend to be out and about all the time. Everybody seems to be munching on cookies, crackers, chips, pretzels, candy, that type of thing. That's been a challenge, i got to tell you. Between the vending machines, the staying in a hotel, everyone else having all their snacks and snacking, grazing all the time, that could be a challenge. Now, yes, the Manjaro helps because I'm not really that hungry, but it's hard to pass up just not walking by a bowl of chips or cookies or something and popping them in your mouth. So the way I overcame that, if I ever did feel a desire for that, I grabbed one of my protein bars. Now, you know I'm on the Quest brand right now. I happen to like those right now. So I have brought with me protein bars. I brought with me my the caramel, nut, almond, little candy bars they have with Quest and also brought their Quest peanut butter cups. Now, again, I'm not sponsored. I just happen to like this brand a whole lot right now. So I'll call that a win. All right, let's take a look at the news. This first article is for, I think it might most benefit folks just starting out with a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. This article right here is called Starting Metformin. Here are nine things your doctor wants you to know. Now I have talked before about how metformin is, you know, it's usually the first go-to medication if you've got prediabetes or if you have a newly diagnosed type 2 diabetes. They usually like to start the metformin. It's very low harm and has some positive benefits. It's not what I'm going to call a blockbuster medication. Some of the SGLT2 inhibitors are or GLP agonists, things like that. But it is what they start off with. So what are the things you should watch out for? The first one is GI issues. They say, you know, sometimes it's diarrhea, sometimes it's nausea, but they say that's something you should look out for. The second thing is, now this affects women, of course, but it might impact your monthly menstrual cycle. It says to watch your alcohol intake uh, because alcohol can suppress your body's production of sugar if you have more than two drinks. And because metformin does that too, that could be a double whammy. And no, for folks wondering, my low blood sugar is not from alcohol intake, at least not this week. You should be screened for anemia. It says here that metformin can decrease the amount of vitamin B12 you can absorb, which could possibly lead to a vitamin B12 deficiency and vitamin deficiency anemia. So people on metformin, they're recommending to get screened for B12 levels. It's saying here and most people would not mind this, but it's saying here metformin may cause you to lose weight because there is a very, and I'm going to say minor, very mild possibility of getting a slight decrease in appetite with metformin. I never found that, but they say it can happen. It says here you could experience some changes in vision. It says also that you could get this 
rare but a serious side effect called lactic acidosis. It warns here that the pills are large. Okay, that's fine. They are big, but I don't know. I wouldn't, that wouldn't keep me from taking the medication. But if I guess if you have an issue with swallowing, maybe it would. And then finally, they say you can't rely on metformin alone. It's best when combined with a healthy lifestyle, and we all know that. Eating things that are helpful to you, getting in your movement, those are all things that really make a difference. This next article is interesting. It's something I did not ever consider, but it says here that type 2 diabetes can directly lead to lung damage. And they did a study, and it says that high blood sugar levels can play a causal role in lung complications such as pneumonia, fibrosis, and lung disease. They studied more than 5 million people with type 2 diabetes, and they said that these are the types of issues that they have found, and they said that it's dramatic if you have a 20% increase of blood sugar over normal blood sugars, that it can lead to these issues. Now, you can read this study. It's uh, in-depth here, but they do link to it, and they, I don't think they've found the exact reason, but they did definitely find a correlation between blood sugar levels and those types of lung diseases and lung damage. So that's very interesting. Now on the positive side, here's an article about the SGLT2 inhibitor, Jardians, the particular brand Jardians this was done on. But I'm, I don't know, I've got to believe that any SGLT2 inhibitor might have the same benefit. It says here that Jardians slows kidney disease. Now, I was just talking about Farsiga, and I take Farsiga, and that helps eliminate sugar from the kidneys. And instead of reintroducing the sugar back into the bloodstream, what, what the kidneys do is first the kidneys filter out sugar from the bloodstream, but then most of it, almost all of it, naturally goes right back into the bloodstream. So it's just temporarily hits the kidneys and then goes back into the bloodstream. But what they're saying here is that with these SGLT2 inhibitors, you can actually slow kidney disease. So there's a benefit. Not only does it help with your blood sugar, but it actually slows kidney disease, and which is great. You take the medication because you have high blood sugar, and high blood sugar does actually cause or worsen kidney disease. So here's a medication that not only lowers your blood sugar, but then can help the kidney disease progression. So that's a positive thing. That's good. And finally here, this is something that I think common sense-wise maybe we've known, but it says here, scientists just quantified the shocking extent of type 2 diabetes due to poor diet. Now, in 40 years, this article says, the risk of people having type 2 diabetes, the amount of people having type 2 diabetes has grown from about 100 million back in the 1980s to 500 million currently. So that's a dramatic increase. But they're saying now with this study that they have investigated and found that there's just a few major things, major reasons from the diet that's causing a lot of that dramatic increase. So they collected data from 184 countries. And this data ranged from 1990 all the way to 2018. And they basically just pulled information from public health databases, other studies, demographic records, things like that. 
And they said they found 11 factors in the diet that were contributing to this rapid increase of type 2 diabetes. But the three that they said were most significant out of those 11 factors, and you can read all 11 factors, some are very minor, but the three they said were very significant were insufficient whole grains, too much refined grains, and too much processed sugar and processed meat. I'm not sure why those are lumped together, but anyway, so basically it's not enough whole foods and too much of the factory processed foods. So this I think is something that we knew, but they did this study on people from 184 countries and they said it's definitive, it's no doubt about it. These are the three top things in today's eating that uh, really leads to an increase, a rapid dramatic increase in type 2 diabetes. I thought that was really interesting. All right, let's look at today's topic. Now, I want to give you five tips for traveling if you're dealing with solving your own type 2 diabetes. Now, these are things that I do. You might have other ideas, other tips. If so, please let me know. But these are things that I've found that I think are really the most helpful things for me. And I do a lot of traveling. This week we're in a, I'm going to call it a villa. It's almost like an apartment, if you will, here at Disney's Resort. There's a living room, a full kitchen, bedrooms, bathrooms, of course. And uh, so there's plenty of space here to live. And it's not like a hotel room. This really, I'm talking about what I'm doing for this week. But you can really interpret these five traveling tips for almost any scenario. So let's get started. My number one tip and I'm going to start with number one. Maybe I should do this backwards, but here goes. My number one tip is to pack your own food. Now, like I said earlier, this week folks here staying with me are eating chips, cookies, crackers. I'm looking right now at this kitchen, and there are at least, I'm counting four different kinds of cookies. All other packages are open. Some of them have had to be replenished this week. I know that for a fact there's two different kinds of ice cream in the fridge. There's pretzels, I think about three different kinds of chips. So anyway, it's everywhere. So what do I do? I pack my own food. If I'm going to want something crunchy, I'll pack pork rinds. If I'm going to want something sweet, I'll pack some of my protein bars or protein quest protein snack type foods. I make sure that we have protein shakes, all the things that I need, even my diet soda. And maybe that's not the healthiest, but I do have some time to time. And so I pack it to make sure I have it. I pack my little yellow packets, my, I think they're Splenda packets for the coffee. I pack my flavor water, zero calorie enhancer. I call it Spritz, but it, it has a brand name, but I think it's a Walmart brand. But I pack that to put in my water, so I drink lots and lots of water. So pack your own food. I found that to be very helpful. The next thing is, it goes with that, and it's cook in your own accommodations, in your own villa. That's what they're called here. But do your own cooking when you can. We have, I think we've eaten out one time, and that was for a breakfast. 
Otherwise, every meal has been cooked here. Now, the other folks did eat out a few different lunches. I usually have leftovers for that. But they did eat out. They went out and at the pool bar or something and had chicken strips or whatever. But basically, we're cooking here in the villa. So I can make sure that in these meals, there's stuff that I will enjoy and stuff that's helpful to me. So we have eggs to make for breakfast, but they also have English muffins and bagels. We have sandwich stuff for lunch. Uh, I make sure that I get cheese that I like and meats that I like. And I get that low-carb 647 bread. It's just a brand name. Any of that low-carb, high-fiber bread would be good. And then for dinners, I always make sure there's good meat and veg. Uh, We made Mississippi pot roast this week. We made a chicken salsa this week. So I always make sure there's good foods that are cooked right here that I can eat. And then the following day for lunch, if they're out getting chicken strips and french fries, I'll have some leftovers and really enjoy it. Number three, get movement in your new location. So here we are in Hilton Head Island, and like I said, I really love the atmosphere of this place, uh, South Carolina, low country. I'm looking out here now, and I see these marshes, and they drop down and rise up with each tide, and different birds, gulls, herons, once in a while a few small hawks you see outside. And uh, yeah, it's just beautiful. So it's a joy to get out and get in my walks, explore new areas. And uh, with my smartphone, I always know I can get back to the resort wherever I go. The fourth thing, sample local cuisine. So if you are going out to eat, make it special. Don't just eat the same old junk you can get at home. But if you are going out to eat, like around here, a shrimp is a very good thing that they have fresh here. Also, a lot of fish is fresh here. So get something that's that the local place is known for and make it special. Make it an occasion. No need to overindulge in the same old thing you can get at home. Just get a reasonable amount of something that they do really well. Make it special. And then the fifth thing, the last thing, the last tip I'm going to give you here is to track everything. Now, if you're anywhere near like me where you travel a lot, you can't really let things go off the rail and still stay on your plan. If it's a maybe a once a year, or just a few days, then yeah, it's not really in the long run going to make a tremendous difference what you do for just a few days once a year. But if it is more like you know our retirement lifestyle in that we travel quite a bit. I'm going to say we average one week out of every three away from home. So I can't afford to be different when I'm traveling than I am at home. So I track everything. I use my fitness pal. I use my Apple watch. I make sure that I'm tracking my movement, all of that to keep myself on my plan, even though I'm traveling. So those are the five tips for traveling that I wanted to share with you today. Okay, it is time for your questions. We do have a question this week, and I'm really happy about that, really excited. And if you want to send in a question, there's two easy ways to do it. You can send me an email. Just email tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com. Or you can go to the website, 
solvingtype2diabetes.com, click on Feedback, and send in your questions. Send in some feedback on the podcast. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Let me know possible topics that you would have covered in the future. Or just simply say hi. We got an email in this week from Stephen. Now, Stephen had written to us previously just a couple weeks ago. And he says here, Hi, Tom. Thanks for answering my question on how you got the Libre 3 system having type 2 diabetes. During the time between my question and today, my insurance carrier finally approved my Libre 3 request. So I'll be getting the Libre 3 sensors any day now. I've been trying a free sample from Freestyle through CVS for the past five days, and it's great. The feedback I get from eating various foods is eye-opening. By the way, I'm not from the UK, but from Glendale, Queens, New York. I know you're from PA, and coincidentally, we're frequent visitors to Lancaster, PA, particularly Kitchen Kettle Village. Keep up the great work, Tom. Thanks, Steve. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, I had previously identified Steve as being from UK. I think that week we also got a question in from another Steve who was from the UK, so I might have said they were both from the UK. My bad. So sorry about that. And uh, waving shout out up there to Glendale in Queens, New York. Yeah, so Lancaster County is very close to us. It's about 30 minutes south of us. The county is five minutes south of us, but Lancaster itself is about 30 minutes south of us. But I have never been to Kitchen Kettle Village, so I'm going to have to look that one up. So thanks for that tip, Steve. Yeah, so good luck with your Libre 3. I'm glad that you were able to work things out with your insurance company. And uh, take what I said today about the Libre 3 with a grain of salt. I have thought it's been working well for the last two months. And this one particular sensor I have on now just seems to be really acting up for the past day or so. But hopefully that's not a trend. And maybe the next time I put on a new sensor, it'll be fine again. So thanks for writing in, Steve. Appreciate that. If you, like Steve, are getting some value out of this podcast, I'm going to ask you for a favor again. Please take a moment to share this episode or share the podcast subscription link with someone who you think could also benefit from the podcast. I would super greatly appreciate that. Okay, so what's next? Next week, I will be on a cruise ship again. And so I would like to revisit some of my cruising tips for people with type 2 diabetes, people who are trying to solve their own type 2 diabetes. So that's coming up next week. Look forward to that. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There, you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.